You're listening to Titans of Techcom, brought to you by Hereto, where you'll hear real stories from real people who have tried, failed, learned, and succeeded. Let's dive in. All right. Uh, welcome to Titans of Techcom. I'm your host, Vivek Nanda. I'm VP of Marketing at Hereto, and this is our episode number three. And today I have Shalini Narang with me. Hi, Shalini. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Vivek. Thank you. Yes. So, Shalini, again, you and I met through also how this podcast started, really. I posted that on LinkedIn, that post, and it uh, got a lot of response. And to build on that uh, the voices that we heard and we wanted to bring it together outside and we at at Toretto work very closely with the tech comm community. So, so we thought that we will bring this podcast, not about the tech, not about uh, everything that's like structured content or stuff like that, but we'll talk about people. So this is, uh, you commented there, that's how we connected. And uh, I wanted to give people who specially participated in uh, that post to bring those voices more to a bigger platform and echo their point of view to this. And that's how we launched Titans of Techcom. So I'm excited about it because I'm sp- still speaking with people who actually was part of that post. So that's exciting. So first and foremost, I saw that you studied journalism and then you did your master's of arts in English. So first, why don't you tell us, like, how did you get into technical writing? Uh, when I came to the Silicon Valley, uh, like, you know, from Delhi, I had migrated um, as an H4 wife. And uh, I was told that the opportunities in journalism were declining. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, one of the avenues open for writers was tech writing. And uh, then via my research and talking to various college counselors, um, they suggested, how about technical writing? And uh, then uh, at Berkeley, they had a course for two years uh, dedicated towards technical writing. I took that and uh, that's how my beginning in uh, the field of technical writing happened with uh, the first internship at Oracle. Nice. That's also a parallel that we have. I actually worked at Oracle and uh, very early in my tech career, obviously, but uh, but I have very fond memories of working at Oracle. I was actually one of the early employees for their life and insurance products, and they were expanding into global markets. So uh, that was that was actually, at Oracle, I was able to move my career from being a QA engineer to product management, more closer to the marketing side, really. So it was a big step in that way, in my journey as well. Great. So where, where do you work now? Uh, I work at a company called Emobi. It's in the ad tech space. So basically all the annoying ads that you see while browsing any sites or videos, uh, we help advertisers serve ads via our DSP platform, which is the demand side platform on the various sites. We are both in the uh, digital as well as the linear TV business. Oh, nice. Emobi, that's how you say it? Yes, uh, A-M-O-B-E-M-O-B. Okay, cool. Well, uh, that's interesting. So uh, 
one of the things that we discussed and on that post, and I really wanted to pick your brains about that topic is uh, I've spoken to hundreds of technical writers and every time I speak to them, they report all over the place. Sometimes they're part of engineering teams. Sometimes they're part of their own technical publications. And sometimes they're part of UX team. And sometimes they're like just contractors. So where do you think they fit the best and why? I am currently sitting in the UX team. I report into the senior director for UX. And in my opinion, uh, usability and UX are a good fit for technical writing. Uh, two aspects. Uh, one is that uh, it's finally the end user experience that we are uh, looking for to provide to the end users a great uh, content as well as uh, usability experience. So I feel that uh, that's a good group for the technical writers to be in, to not just be restrictive into uh, like, you know, the procedural, conceptual or reference information, but also be a part of the UX experience of the end users, usability experience for the end users so that they can expand their uh, frontiers as well as uh, look at the uh, end user experience a little bit more holistically and not restricted to just the uh, user guides and the implementation guides um, and all of that. And how, what's like the team structure for your team? Uh, so you are, so you have designers and UX people, folks in your team as one, and then technical writers. And what's the other mix? Like how many, like what's the equation looks like? Sure. Uh, we have about 10 UX designers uh, in our team. And then uh, uh, I have a team of uh, three people, three technical writers that report into me. And then there's a training group that has two folks. Okay, and so so it's the UX group, the learning and training folks, and the technical writers, and then those are learning and training are, is it like also they are also technical writing, technical writers, or they are different? They are training uh, folks, so more into the skill jar and the training development, but they leverage the technical content that the technical writers create extensively. So the content that which we create uh, is both uh, used across the training deliverables uh, in the company, as well as the UX. We also provide inputs into the uh, into the um, designs that the UX designers create. So that that's that's the mix. Interesting. So, so you basically sort of like have your end user within the team itself. You feed them, they basically provide you quick uh, feedback and that's how you're improving it. I feel like this is such a good setup just for how quickly you can get feedback and iterate on your writing. So is this, it was this like something, how, how, how your team came to that conclusion? Was it already set up before you joined the org or how this, how you all decided on this org? org structure? So uh, the org structure uh, was not the same uh, earlier. We all used to sit uh, in the, and we still sit within the product team, which I feel again is a great fit because uh, at the end of the day, it's the final product and we are a part of the product. I think uh, something very interesting to to understand is that uh, the help systems or the training is not separate from the product. It's all together that comes uh, like, you know, it all comes together. It's not that uh, help is anything which is isolated from the product. It is an integral and a very important part of the product. And that's uh, 
uh, I think what was the thinking behind uh, merging the technical writing and the training team with the uh, with the UX team. Interesting. And and these uh, the the content that's the help content that's uh, that's that's been built and trained. This is mostly product uh, product related stuff taught to a group internally, customer success or account management. That's how those, those are the people who are at the end of the supply chain. Uh, so uh, the uh, the help systems that we built are for self-serve users. So the self-serve users of our platform, which could be uh, like basically the end users, but it is also leveraged extensively by our internal customer success folks that uh, that basically serve the end users. So our own internal teams use it extensively, the support team uses, like I said, the customer success team uses and uh, all other teams within the company also, but our end users um, are also um, users of the self-serve help center and uh, within uh, the help center they provide the reactions, uh, the likes and the dislikes, the comments. So we we do get uh, end user feedback on if we are kind of like you know meeting their needs or not. And uh, you are, you said wh- whom do you report into? Like who's the UX director? Yes, that what... the senior director of the UX team. Interesting. That's a very interesting. I think uh, I've I'm finding this that arcs that are doing technical writing at least better. They are at the intersection of information experience and user experience, which which makes sense, but it, it's obviously not that obvious when we talk about it. It's like all over the place and it's all siloed, but it seems like you're, in your company you set up, that seems to be exactly the path you are following. And it makes sense to me. Interesting. Okay, cool. And. Uh, and and obviously, you know, in this conversation, you also mentioned that, you know, good UX and documentation are complementary for a successful end user experience. First of all, I love that one statement. It's so much, like it's super powerful, but do you mind expanding on it and sharing maybe an example that you've seen like works great? Sure, uh, like inline help, uh, Again, uh, like, you know, very powerful for uh, an end user to not go elsewhere while they are, in our case, I would say, um, running a campaign or doing any task within a product or an app. Uh, While uh, robust help systems are great and uh, are very useful, the uh, the inline help experience uh, to get, like, you know, quick help into a field that might be confusing or a multi-choice uh, drop-down that could be uh, better explained quickly are uh, are great, uh, like you know, examples of where uh, inline help or in-platform uh, um, help can be extremely useful. And these are like you know, you can always provide see also links uh, for further information to people who want to go in and probably see a video or get sure. into more details about a feature, but giving them like something, um, like a gist of something quickly so that they can continue with their task at hand is uh, what uh, is probably a good UX and uh, content coming together experience. And, and, and just uh, piggybacking on this, so do you see like it's important that as part of the user experience, like the stickiness, people not 
bouncing off and staying. So are you sort of like measuring, I don't know, visit lengths or how are you measuring this thing? Like what's like the, like how are you actually seeing this working? Uh, so we use Zendesk uh, as our help system and uh, Zendesk has some uh, native uh, um, analytics uh, on the pages and the search. So within the help system, we definitely have uh, like, you know, we can we can look at the terms that the users are uh, are entering into the help system and the returns to the articles that they're getting. So the click through rate uh, for those articles, we can measure uh, also the most popular articles so we know where we need to like you know concentrate our energies on and uh, while we have uh, for one of our platforms a help system which is about 200 articles uh, of those uh, I have seen that maybe there are 50 to 60 articles that are the most used so mm. like, you know it's uh, it's never something like you create an article and, and then forget about it uh, it needs uh, regular iterations it needs uh, regular regular upkeep like um, the tender loving care that you provide to any living thing is something which uh, a help system also requires. So, and uh, besides the native Zendesk analytics, we also use Google Analytics to measure success. So we know the regions where we are hit most, uh, like the countries, as well as the cities that we get most traffic from. Also, like, you know, granular analytics in the form of, uh, like, you know, further search terms that the users are entering. And, uh, I, I talked already about the pages that are uh, being hit and Google also provides like, you know, um, like uh, at a particular hour of a day uh, at that particular time, how many users are using the help system. So those kind of statistics uh, come pretty handy to further refine or to pivot if required on your strategy. And is there like a, like a window, like, like you said, obviously you're, it's like nurturing your plant. So that's how, you know, you are doing it for content as well. And, but is there like a, like a weekly, weekly sprint for that or a monthly sprint for that or how, what's kind of the process of like how you go about it? So we have bi-weekly release notes uh, cadence. So that definitely during those uh, release uh, schedules, we see that uh, the um, the usage definitely peaks up. And uh, from content use, we uh, definitely are uh, like you know making use of the the week that we do not have the release schedule. Uh, that uh, we kind of like, you know, go back to the existing content and audit it or uh, like, you know, look at the Jira tickets, which uh, come uh, both from internal users as well as external that um, are pertaining to the content or pertaining to the flow or uh, to the uh, GIFs and screenshots within the, uh, within the help uh, center that need to be updated. So definitely keep on top of uh, all of that. Okay. And, and would you, and, and are you also, like you said, you're serving global audience. Is it also localized content or is it uh, still in one language at the moment? Uh, at the moment, we only have it in English, American English. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I get very curious because there's also next level of complexity that comes with it. And then uh, I was curious, like how things are handled while, because you're publishing on Zendesk. So that's another layer of complexity that how you're publishing localized content on Zendesk. So that's why I was curious anyway. Okay, cool. And 
and uh, and is let's say let's say I have to like based on your work experience, and this is not just related to your uh, your role at the moment, but more like your experience overall in the industry. So lots of lots lots and lots of folks struggle to show the value of tech comp, and this is uh, you know it's it's all. We hear all sorts of things. It's like both on the company culture as well as how uh, the onus is also on the technical writers. So uh, in your, based on your experience, how do you see is the best way to show the value of tech comp for either for action for both companies or for employees? Oh. So two ways, and uh, one is definitely through analytics, which is like you know very measurable way. If you can um, show the C level executives that this is what the deliverable is, and uh, these are the users that are coming, and even return visitors via Google Analytics, you can see. Uh, you can definitely show that uh, it's a deliverable that is being reused by, and people uh, are returning back, so they do find it useful. Uh, Another way is that definitely, like I pointed out, it's not something that you can create and then forget. It is something which has to be in continuous iteration. Um, It is something which has to be complementary to the product features. And as the product features iterate, uh, the uh, explanations or the procedural information needs to be updated and uh, even uh, a great glossary is something which people come back to uh, a lot. FAQs and best practices are some uh, other ways in which I have seen that the help centers benefit the end users a lot. So like, you know, thinking beyond uh, like, you know, just the procedural and the conceptual to also how um, and what kind of value add can be provided. Uh, now that we have Slack and so many Slack channels, uh, like you know, customer success groups uh, have their Slack channels, and to be a part of those to understand where are the main pain points. Like you know, uh, if if ten customer success executives are uh, like you know talking about an issue, to kind of like you know chime in there and ask, uh, would this be something great to be added to an FAQ? Uh, is there a best practice that you guys follow that maybe the self-serve end users would also benefit from? So, so kind of like you know, uh, putting yourself in end user shoes always helps. Mm. And, and and you guys are are you seeing this setup because this communication, even though it's happening, and that's probably something against Slack. Everything happens on Slack, but it still remains you know, outside of the formal setups. So, uh, you know, capturing the information is lost pretty quickly with all those chats. So is, is there like, uh, it's like, do you guys follow a protocol more like feedback channel, everything that comes in, the the feedback is like feedback loop is completed from the customer success uh, agents who probably face, you know, ton of questions and confusions and they put it back that, hey, this is like, we are not clear about this thing, this information on the help side and uh, customers have asked. And now once they pass it on, on Slack, then your team picks up and does it. So how does that work? Like, is it like a protocol that you follow? Because this is uh, what we call internally, and this is something we, shameless plug, we are working towards to build on our product, what we are uh, hopefully to capture that, uh, 360 degree feedback, like the loop is completed 
like from the end user, again, going to the endpoint of the content supply chain. And then from there, making sure if things need to change, that feedback is also captured and then things uh, iterated on the creation side of content. So wondering how, how that's happening on in your world. Uh, so Zendesk has uh, integration with Slack uh, and it is, I think, something which is recently built. Uh, also, we have our own uh, like you know, boards in Jira so that uh, any customer executive can go in and log a Jira bug for our group and then we can take it from there. Uh, and um, uh, one thing which I have seen happen a lot more, uh, especially from end users, is that uh, if they like something, which is fine, um, they will always forget to press the like button. But if they are not helped, uh, they would not uh, hesitate from entering a comment in the help uh, system or uh, um, or leave us uh, a dislike uh, kind of like, you know, a reaction. So right. uh, some of those things definitely um, uh, help, I would say. And uh, I uh, kind of like, you know, pro promote this culture even amongst my group and writers is that a dislike is not a dislike for your work. It is something that is like, you know, they want that information. And uh, we have been told that it's to be provided. Uh, and 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 that's that's all that is to it. And I am grateful that uh, we have that avenue now, which was not existing earlier, to collect the user feedback. But um, but leveraging that and making use of that in a more positive way um, is something that we are all working towards. Interesting. And do you see value in like, for example, this? Uh, you know, I mean, of course, this integration with Slack is more like a message thrown into Slack. That's how all Slack integrations work. So it, it's not almost like the Jira integration where things going into Jira are creating a ticket, more like stuff. So do you see value in this communication loops getting closed through Slack or do you hope or do you hope that it's like even better? Like if the communication can go out and then it's already creates a ticket and the task is created for you. What's like your your stand on this? Do you see? Do you find value in the Slack communication loop right now? Uh, I think uh, that if an auto ticket into Jira can be created via that, that would be ideal. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, where the gap is that uh, uh, a lot of that communication that I pointed out with the customer success groups uh, is many a times just conversational. So not everything needs to be captured. Uh, right. Someone has to firstly, like, you know, just uh, uh, like within that conversation, drill down into what is it that needs to reach the tech uh, mm -hmm. team or the training team. And only that uh, that piece of information needs to be getting into the Jira ticket. So yes, if that can be kind of like, you know, um, that uh, supply chain or that um, chain can be further refined, uh, it, would, it would be a big, big help and a big plus. Interesting. So, I mean, we obviously, you know, Again, uh, you know, on, on our product, uh, we are also focused around this collaboration aspect a lot. And uh, one of the things that we do is we have uh, on the piece of any content, we try to give users who are not technical writers, but the end users, they can go in as reviewers. Or now we have something called contributors, and they can leave comments, and then the writers will see it on the topic itself 
and basically take the feedback from there. It's not, we didn't build integration with Slack itself just because we feel like we want to eliminate this filtering step, like somebody working and watching, you still have to monitor it. And, you know, <laughs> there's so much going on in these days. Like everybody is also like, there's this Slack overload. So you want to avoid that too. So, uh, so we do that too on our product. And this is an interesting point that you said, like uh, communication is such a big part of the process and now is probably for product companies like us, we are thinking of how we can build that communication in the product for, and everybody involved in the you know content supply chain from creation to consumption. Yeah. So do you, do you see, let's say, do you see any specific trends in, especially in this industries for technical writing? Are there any, trends that you are excited about, anything that's coming up, something that you feel like that will be, you know, amazing. Uh, I definitely see the communities uh, that have come up uh, and especially in bigger uh, places like uh, uh, for example, if I use Zendesk or if my team uses Zendesk and if we go to their, uh, like, you know, their knowledge base, and search for something and uh, do not find. What helps is going into their, uh, like you know, their commun, their FAQs that uh, that the users are uh, kind of like you know, uh, going to and forth about that particular, uh, let's say, issue or uh, some user forums. Yes. So user forums. User so that, yeah. So basically, user generated content is where you are yes. finding the value. Yes. Okay. And a lot of value is there because those are the actual users of the product that have also probably found some workarounds, have probably found some um, like you know best practices that they have utilized in their work. And um, some go as far as to even provide um, CSS code samples for uh, some of the, uh, yes. you know, which is which is amazing, I would say, um, and it's very helpful. Interesting. I wonder that is like a product idea for us. <laughs> Maybe more like, uh, uh, of course, uh, communities have been like obviously user generated content. You know, it's very useful. And as the company is growing, it becomes even more relevant because more people, it's like self serving, right, to everyone. So it's obviously has uh, advantages. I always wonder that why it still has to be like, uh, you know, like more like it, it's still not moderated enough as uh, as as it should be. So some communities lose value because it is like all sort of content. So you still need you still need moderation, I would say. And uh, and for that reason, it's the same way. And that's kind of uh, it's the same way, like on content, you want to see the value. What's the valuable content based on the feedback? And uh, likewise, on communities, we probably do the same. But uh, I haven't seen any product build communities inside the products, not outside, like outside, uh, just like a website. Other than that, not like a community that's like directly attached to the product, which is an interesting thing to think about it because everybody wants to like communicate even from the users, other users. So yes. that's yes. interesting. Cool, very interesting. So in our conversation, you shared you have I think a couple of open positions in your team. And you also mentioned something really interesting, which was a trend that you are noticing in, in, in general 
so why don't you take an opportunity to talk about the positions that you have open so people can make good use of it and uh, also the trend that you notice. So uh, I have two open head counts for technical writers in my group uh, and I am hiring. Um, and uh, basically I'm looking for folks uh, with, uh, uh, with really stellar writing experience and, uh, um, and uh, like, you know, some tools expertise in either Zendesk or Freshdesk. And uh, since we are in the ad tech space, it always helps to uh, be in that space so that the learning curve is not that steep. Uh, a trend which I have been noticing uh, is that uh, um, in the in the resumes that I am seeing is that people uh, definitely want to lean more towards uh, um, towards companies in which uh, technical writing is not considered like you know an afterthought. They uh, want to join places that consider it an important part of uh, the product or it is valued and uh, their work is uh, considered uh, important that they get the feedback from product managers or product marketing managers that they work with. And um, it's not just something like, you know, another uh, tick box in the various things that uh, have to be just done. Um, that's that's definitely a trend which uh, I'm noticing, and new age tools expertise. Uh, some things like you know Freshdesk or Zendesk is, uh, and even um, having worked in Google Docs and uh, having um, capabilities into um, like taking GIFs uh, or screenshots with any um, any screen capture software uh, uh, are definitely very helpful so that like you know um, while words and uh, adequate usage of words is very important uh, pictures can convey um, like you know a lot and that's uh, those are some of the expertise which I also look for that uh, uh, you don't just look at something like you know this is a procedural piece but uh, a, a nice chif can add to the uh, helpfulness of that procedure and people would like to see it and then read and be basically successful at the task that uh, they have come to the help center in. Right, interesting. So our listeners, you know, there are where is the open opportunity if you guys are interested. We'll obviously give you information how to reach out to Shalini. But uh, before we conclude our conversation, would you like to tell the world one thing that no one in your professional circles knows about you? And this is your opportunity to share it. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, in my spare time, I love writing poetry. And uh, that's uh, where I also get my creative edge. Interesting. And uh, is it like a certain type of poetry or is it more like you know for fun hobby and and you're not looking to publish it or are you looking to publish it how far um, are you <laughs> I would love to publish but yeah right now it is definitely at um, a fun stage and uh, that's somewhere where I get my uh, like you know creative outlet in um, working in technology companies gets you a lot into that uh, rut but uh, this is how um, I, I relax interesting very interesting uh, yeah it, it is uh 
I'm not a poet by any means, so um, I, I can't make any judgments, but I'm pretty sure that anything uh, as creative as this is certainly something, you know, that, that takes you out of your daily groove and makes you think of, you know, outside world and probably makes you even more creative because it's something you like it. Interesting. So if you publish, let us know. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely check it out. <laughs> so now the last question. So where can people find you if they want to connect with you or ask you more questions? Sure. Uh, the best way to reach me is uh, uh, my email. And uh, it is uh, shalini.narang, uh, my first and last name, at mob.com. All right. We will put this information with the episode for sure. And uh, you're probably also on LinkedIn. So we, if, uh, if you're interested in the job, job opportunity or just speaking with Shalini or anything, just reach out. And uh, with this, Shalini, again, thank you for your time. We had a great conversation. And I'm sure a lot of folks will find value from all the things that you shared today. So once again, thanks for being on the show. And uh, with that, we end today's conversation. Thank you, thank everyone. You, Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Titans of Techcom, brought to you by Hereto. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Looking forward to next time with more real stories from real people just like you.